Thank you. Thank you very much. So I'm Gary. I'm the guy he was talking about, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I was pastor over at Word of Grace. It's now Hillsong Phoenix. I sold the church to Hillsong. And, um, you know, big, big churches go for a lot of bucks. Um, anyway, I've been away for 10 years, which is hard to believe. And several people here used to be part of our ministry. And they, you've come up and said hello, and I appreciate that very much. My wife is with me today. You understand? Tell us we don't look like it, but this, this month we celebrate our 47th anniversary. Yeah. Which means we have children and grandchildren, and we don't even know some of their names. Um, <laughs> I have to go. I've got to, I keep a, a list in my wallet. Let's see, that's Grant. And, uh, anyway, we have three children. Our oldest son, David, is, uh, he's in he's full-time ministry. He's got a, uh, a national ministry. Some of you maybe have heard of the Barna Group. And he actually owns that company, bought it from George Barner about seven years ago. They have uh, three children. Our oldest grandchild is now in college. Uh, Emily is in her second year at Cal Berkeley. And um, he has two other children. And then our daughter and her husband, uh, they live in Denver. And they have four children, just two years apart. What were they thinking? And uh, <laughs> when we visit them, we, we always arrange a... Uh, an appointment with our therapist just after we arrive back. Um, anyway, they're four, 15, four, 15 now, right? 15, 13, uh, 11, and 9. And then our youngest son, Matt, is he's on the East Coast. He's going to be moving back to San Diego. He's in the United States Navy for the last uh, about 12 years, and uh, he's got a really tough job in the Navy. Uh, I can't really tell you what he does. But actually, no, actually, he plays the trumpet He's a full-time musician in the Navy band. And um, he, got a, he got a degree in trumpet performance from Biola University. And people asked us, what's he going to do with that? And his future father-in-law was wondering what he was going to do with the rest of his life. And, and I tell people, well, you know, he's going to go down to, uh, to Mill Avenue, and he's going to open his trumpet case, and he's going to perform. <laughs> That's a trumpet performance degree. Um, so... Uh, I understand. Where did Ryan go? I understand the tears, man. I was thinking, I just last week I preached at another church that's in transition, and they, they have, I don't know if they're going to make it, in California, a church in California. And I preached on Acts chapter 20, where Paul says goodbye to the Ephesian elders. I don't know, you might want to read that chapter again. At the, at the very end of the chapter, they, they all get down on their knees, and they say goodbye to him in the harbor at Miletus, and, and they all cry. And uh, I had that same experience leaving my church. You know, I, I just didn't feel anything until I got up in front of everybody, and I just, it was just like overwhelming to me. And so, appreciate your heart, and you've done a lot of, I don't know you, you the two of you, but Doug speaks so highly of you, and this church is going to miss you. And I'm, I'm going to kind of preach for you today, um, and for the church, I'm going to talk about the road of life and how you never know where it, where it leads you. How many of you know that Bible verse? All right. Let's, uh, by the way, does Doug hand out notes? So we handed some notes out today so you can follow along. I've got a PowerPoint. And uh, this will be anything but a lecture. So anyway, let's, 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I pray, God, for Ryan and his wife and, and their, their family as they relocate. I pray for your, your guidance and your blessing. And uh, I, I just pray for this church as they move forward uh, to discover your will for them. And Lord, we pray for this moment as we share your word. Uh, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a, a couple of new memory verses. I, I don't want to really say they're Bible verses, but they could be in the Bible. I've thought about putting some things in there. Anyway, so let's, uh, let's, uh, let's start with this, okay? So this is our memory verse. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. Let's say that together. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. Let's try it one more time. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to know exactly what we're supposed to do, what God wants us to do. I'm sure this was not an easy decision for you guys. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we look for signs, and sometimes the signs aren't real clear, you know? And sometimes we get, we get a sign from God, and we're sure that's God leading us, and it turns out it was the devil. So anyway, I want to show you some signs here, okay, uh, that are not real clear. Yelling dental clinic. <laughs> Two years. Expect delays. <laughs> Milk coffee, tasteless coffee, strong coffee. <laughs> this is the road of life, <laughs> right? I know exactly what God wants me to do, sort of. Anyway, caution, please be aware that the balcony is not on the ground level. <laughs> Bottomless pit, 65 feet deep. <laughs> Slow chair services. And this one is my favorite, this next one here. Restrooms, danger ear protection required in this area. <laughs> Are you taking notes? <laughs> and then there's this one, okay. This, this is a, a photograph that a friend of mine took. I've, do, I've done ministry in Australia a few times, and this is in, I think, uh, I think in Melbourne, Brisbane, I don't remember. But anyway, you can see the people are on the wrong side of the road. And the, it says, no standing anytime, no standing other times. <laughs> How many of you have stood in front of that sign, you know? Okay, but one of the things we're going to learn today is that really no standing anytime, no standing other times uh, is really about a walk of faith. And you can't just stand there, you have to make decisions, right? You never know where the road of life is going to take you. And when you make decisions along the way, there are some things that you can predict, there are some things that you can control, but there are many things you can't. And uh, this is... Uh, actually a chapter from a book I wrote and I brought some copies for those of you who love to buy books even though you never read them. Anyway, I have a book called Dumb Things Smart Christians Believe. It's published by Bethany House. And uh, one of the dumb things is that if God leads us to do something, everything is going to work out just great. <laughs> like getting married, right? How many of you got married at least once in your life? And what did the preacher make you say? We make young couples say this. Have you done any weddings yet? One. You did your own wedding? No, okay. <laughs> so what do, what do preachers tell us? You know, we, they make, we make young couples who are just giddy 
with excitement about their future. What do we make them say? For better or? For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. What's up with that? I make couples say that and they're standing there looking at each other and they're smiling and they have no idea what they're getting themselves into. You know? They've never shared a closet together. You ever had a family discussion about what goes in the closet and how it goes in there? You know, so this is a dumb thing, you know. God was leading you to get married. I mean, couples that come to church and want the pastor to marry them, uh, they believe that God is leading them, and we take them through pre-marriage counseling. But just because God leads you to do something doesn't mean that everything is going to work out just right. Or having children. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. Okay? How many of you have either had children, or you, you're ha you have children, or you've seen children? And they're not always exactly what you hope they'll be. And they don't, you know, as you get older, they, they don't listen to you. In fact, they disrespect you. And they, it's all part of growing up. But you never know where the road of life is going to take you. When you get married, you don't know exactly what's going to happen in your relationship and what the additional pressures of life are going to bring. When you relocate, when you move, you don't know what's ahead of you. When you have children, uh, you don't know what's going to happen with your children or your children's spouse or their a spouse, the spouse, your child's spouse, parents. All of these are the, about all of these things are about the complexities of life. So you know, if if you if God leads you to do any of these things, everything is sure to work out just great, right? Yep. <laughs> He's uh, suffering from illusions, that man. Anyway, so let me change the, just the feeling here for a moment. Somebody, uh, I met some folks that are here visiting for the second time. They, they, they want to come back to find out what it's like when there's a guest speaker. Um, but anyway, they, they told me they, they're new to Arizona. They came here from, from uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and they said it's really similar here to Charlotte, except there are no trees. And... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, they, they went tubing in the Salt River. How many of you have gone tubing on the Salt River? All right, let me tell you a tubing story that didn't have a ha happy ending. Um, a very good friend of mine, he's one of my best friends, Mark Buckley. He's a pastor of Living Streams, way on the other side of Phoenix there on Central and Glendale. And he's been a pastor here for many years. And he and his wife moved here from the San Francisco Bay Area where they both grew up. And, and they came here because... Uh, they have four children, and their oldest son, Matthew, has had asthma. And so he, they, the doctor said, you can't continue to live in this, in this climate. You've got to go to a drier climate. And so they prayed, and they sought God, and they, he, Mark was pastoring a church of about five or 600 people in Marin County, which is an extraordinary miracle. And um, so they prayed, and they had people praying with them, and they decided to come to Arizona. They didn't really know anybody here. Moved to Arizona, planted a church, and uh, brought, of course, their kids. And um, Matt um, was uh, just a stellar young man. He was a senior in high school. He had decided not to play basketball his senior year at Paradise Valley High School because he wanted to lead kids in Bible, in Bible studies. He was an apprentice photographer for the Phoenix Suns. And he went with a bunch of friends to the salt, out to the Salt River tubing, and he drowned. 
he was on life support for just a few days, which in some ways makes it even worse because parents have to say goodbye. They've got to make that really tough choice. And that's something that's marked, mar marked Mark and Christina's life. Happened 20 years ago, at least. I did Matt's funeral. So the question is, did God lead them to come to Phoenix? Were they in the will of God? And people ask this, this is another dumb thing uh, Christians believe. Uh, were they in the perfect will of God? Because you know if you're in the perfect will of God, everything is going to be perfect. There's no th such thing. I mean, the Bible does mention the perfect will of God, the complete will of God in Romans chapter 12. But there's nothing about like God's will is kind of this is a better part or this is God's permissive will or, you know, we kind of get into this stuff because we have a hard time explaining the things that happen to us in life. And so, you know, have you ever said this? If I knew now what I knew then, I would have never gotten into this. I would have never gotten into this marriage. People say that. I would have never taken this job. I would have never joined this church if I knew then what I know now. If they knew then what they know now, would they have moved to Arizona? Believe me, when we face these kinds of things, our, our souls are racked with questions that just can't be answered. This is what the book of Job is about. Uh, it's the oldest book in the Bible, and it's about the ancient question of human life. Why did this happen, and especially why did this happen to a righteous young man? And Job, the book of Job is about his friends coming up with all kinds of explanations. So that's another thing that happens if, there's, uh, if you're, you know, your life turns in the wrong direction. Your friends will share with you reasons why this probably happened. I had a young woman in, uh, in our church that had two children. And uh, Beth uh, was pregnant. Six months into the pregnancy, she gave birth suddenly to a, a very deformed child. I would, you know, you would say behind closed doors, a freak. And Beth called me. I was the first one to the hospital. She didn't want her mom and dad to see this child. It was just horrifying for them. They named him Bobby. He lived for two years. And the first thing Beth said to me, when I can still remember, I'm walking into the room and she has the second bed. And the first thing she says, is this because of something that I've done? You never know where the road of life is going to take you, and you can't always answer those questions. Um, I want to share with you a couple really deep thoughts from Jack Handy. That's Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I think a cute thing to tell children when it's crying, uh, when it's raining, is that God's crying. And if they want to know why God's crying, you could, you could tell them, it's probably something you did. <laughs> you know... You know how that happens? You guys are going to move. It's probably some, you made some dumb mistake. God's mad at you. You weren't one of the 99. You weren't the one. that They're actually 101, and you're 101, and you just got lost in there somewhere, you know? Um, so, <laughs> no, we all feel this way, okay? I look back at my life, you know? It's just the way things happen and the way they unfold. So Acts chapter 16, this is the, uh, um, Acts chapter 16 is um, a ch old chapter about the road of life, all right? And 
and it begins with a little travelogue. It's, it says here in verse 6, Paul and his companions, this is the second missionary journey of St. Paul. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to go there to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, so they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now, uh, I want to I show you a slide here, how far they walked. If you can push the button, you'll see how far they walked. Uh, actually, I think that, yeah. There, so there's Jerusalem. Antioch is at the, at the north tip of that, you know, as it goes north and south, that red line. And they left from Antioch, actually. They had walked from, Paul had walked from Jerusalem, and they walked all the way across what is modern-day Turkey. And we estimate the walk, because it wasn't a direct route, to be about 1,200 miles. 1,200 miles is, uh, Houston is about 1,100 miles. So they're walking. Paul has a ministry team. Where are they going? Where, where are we going, Paul? We're going to where God is going to meet with us. Where is that? We don't know. And they try this and they try that, and the Holy Spirit says, no. Sometimes I feel like finding your future is like playing battleship with God. You know? <laughs> where God's trying to, you're trying to figure out where does God have his ships? You know, where does he want me? So you go, B12. God says, miss. You know, and, and you go through this routine, and it's really hard to know what's really comforting to me about this passage is we're talking about the Apostle Paul. We're not talking about some spiritual lackey, religious lackey. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, and he doesn't really know what the future holds. But he does this. He keeps pressing forward. All right? So Paul and Silas and their ministry team have, have walked over 1,000 miles. Weeks have gone by. How long would it take to walk to Houston? And how long would it take before somebody in the ministry team would say, where are we going? If I'd have known then what I know now, I wouldn't have joined this adventure. All right? So they, they get to... Uh, uh, they, they're still unclear about the will of God. So the lesson here is that most of the decisions we make are very complex. It's really tough to make decisions. And some decisions are just almost impossible. And there are consequences either way. It's not sometimes what's the best decision, sometimes it's what's the, the lesser of two evils. And the second thing is they affect other people who may, not, or may or may not like what happens to them because of our decisions. You know, as you, have, as you have a family, you have to make decisions and you move. This family in the back has moved. They have a young son. And, uh, you know, our decisions affect people. I came to Arizona, uh, and, and people have asked me, why'd you come to Arizona? Because my mother and father put me in the back seat of the car, and I followed them to Arizona from, <laughs> from Ohio. I had no clue. And here I am. I mean, God had purposes in this. You know, amazing, amazing purpose in all of this. Like it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, it says, uh, a man plans his ways, and that, that women fit into that too. A person plans their ways, but the Lord directs their steps. My wife and I both went to a little Lutheran college in Kansas that was a second choice for both of us. But do you think it was God's choice? Yes, you never know where the road of life is going to take you. So now during the night, verse 9, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia. This is the famous Macedonian call. It's a call to missions, and it has been way over-spiritualized. Uh, they've walked 1,200 miles, okay? 
And that night, Paul has a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, you've got to notice this. There's nothing in there about God. He just had a vision. He had a dream. And we're going to see the next morning, Paul told him about the dream. And it says, we left immediately concluding uh, that this was from God. And uh, what, I, what I like to say about this is when you walk 1,200 miles, just about any dream will do. You know, this isn't like some great spiritual moment. You know, he's had a dream. It may have been the baklava that they ate the night before, you know. So three pieces, you know. At last, this is a sense of God's leading. So here's the lesson. When we're walking with God, we have to make decisions with faith because you don't know now everything that you'll know later. Now, I just want to pause here and say a little bit something about that. Christians spend endless hours and days and months and years making a decision because they want to do the right thing. They want to be in the perfect will of God. So they're, they're, <clears throat> they're frozen on what I call the crossroads of indecision. They can't make a decision. You've got to make a decision. You've got to move forward. You, you know, you, you have to, I'll say it again, no standing any time, no standing other times. Just you've got, you've got to do something. You have to be in motion. And this is what we see about Paul and his, his traveling companions. They're in motion. They just keep moving forward. Hallelujah. You just have to keep moving forward. You can't just live with regrets. You've got to move forward. Look what it says in verse 10. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave from Macedonia, and I love this, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That, that little statement s suggests that Paul told them about the dream, said, what do you think? And they're all, you know, they're, exha they're exhausted, they haven't had a, had a shower for months, you know, and uh, they concluded, we, we don't have anything else, let's go for it. And I, I led, I was a pastor of a very large church, and people often would ask me, are you sure God wants us to do this? And my standard answer was, no. We're going to have to move out in faith. But the assumption is that if you don't know exactly what God wants you to do and you don't, you know, fulfill the perfect will of God, something bad is going to happen. The Bible never says this, you know. So, I mean, I'm, you know, there are, there are places in Scripture, of course, that indicate, you know, um, without faith it's impossible to please God. And there are wonderful consequences uh, when we are walking with God. But even when we're walking with God, things can be so uncertain. Um, for those of you who have a hard time with theology, let me suggest something very simple. When you get in your car today, I want you to notice that in front of you is a big window. And on that window is a rearview mirror. It's about that big. But mostly it's a window. Because driving a car is about where you're going, not where you've been, right? You know, some people, what if people just, they, you know, they just put their face on the rearview mirror and just occasionally peek over to see if they're going anywhere. You know, that's some of you. You know, you, you have to move forward. I really believe that to say if I knew then what I know now, I would have never made this decision is really, it's not a Christian thing to say because you have to trust God. A man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So, 
I want to tell you a story, a family story about this. Um, we have three children, and uh, our oldest two kids went to Mountain View, Mountain View High School. We lived in the Westwood District in, in Mesa, uh, but they went to a feeder school, Keno Junior High School, that sent students to both of these high schools. And uh, a lot of kids just, they got boundary exceptions, and our kids, uh, our two oldest kids, they, they had most of their friends going to Mountain View High School, and so we got a boundary exception for them, and they became students and graduated from Mountain View High School. And um, there was an article in the sports page, this is just this is the weekend about Mountain View High School, and I, I sent it to my, my, my son and my daughter. So, <clears throat> Now, our youngest son, the 10 years between our boys, we had a surprise. We named him Matthew, which means gift of God. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. Um, he was an accident, but he was not unwanted. And he's 10 years behind his brother and seven years behind his sister. And we assume that he's going to want to go to Mountain View. And so, uh, we, and we had heard that it was more difficult to get boundary exceptions. So, we moved. We moved into the Mountain View district. And uh, we bought, we had our first house in Mesa. We had lived on the west side. We had our first house in Mesa. We sold that house and we moved into another house. And uh, uh, this is a moment I've, I've never forgotten. And Marilyn can't forget it because she's heard me preach this message a few times. And uh, I was standing on the front porch talking to the owner of the house uh, where we were moving. And we, I talked about how difficult it is to move. How many of you have moved at least once? It's not fun. How many of you have had? Buyer's remorse, seller's remorse. You know, Marilyn has said, you know, she wishes, we're in our third house in the East Valley, and she wishes we were still in our first house. So we moved from out of that, we moved, and, you know, it was really difficult, and I was talking to her about, it. it's not just moving stuff, but it's relocating your life and putting memories behind you. You know, I, I just had, I had tears in my eyes when, we wa when I walked out the last time, walked out of the house that we had built, and uh, that's, you know, the walls echoed with the sounds of family gatherings. And, uh, you know, we were all together for Christmas. It was always at my house with the extended family. And I walk out, the house is empty and it's echoing. And we're moving into this new house. And uh, this woman who had her own story, her oldest son had been killed in a motorcycle accident just a month, just a block, about a block and a half away from the house. And they had planted a tree in the front yard they called it the David Memorial Tree. So they had roots there. And in the, the house was older, but it was just immaculate. Except in the backyard, there were holes in the block wall. And I kind of poked fun of that. I said to, Chris, I said to uh, what was it, Colleen? I said to Colleen, you know, your house is perfect. What's with these holes in the, in the wall? And she said, well, that's where our younger son beat the wall with a baseball bat when his brother was killed. So now to leave those, you know, places, it's really hard. And she said something, and this, this is really the core of my message today. They weren't church people. You know, I didn't see any Billy Graham or, uh, you know, books or, or Bibles in the house. Uh, and and uh, she said to me, well, we've taught our children that you make the best decision you can with the information that you have at the time and then you don't look back. And I thought when she said that, I mean, that ministered to me. 
And I've thought, I thought when she, I've thought about this many times, how difficult it is for Christians to be that bold in their faith. We're afraid of God instead of trusting God, no matter what happens. <clears throat> so we moved into that house, and I hated the house. It was an older house. We had a half acre of rainforest. And uh, it looked more like uh, Charlotte than it did Arizona. We had a dozen orange trees and a big pool. We never had a pool before, and this is a big pool. I didn't know how to take care of the pool. We moved in in August, you know, July or August. And I'm out there taking care of the pool, and I'm, I'm just I'm cursing the day I made that decision. And, you know, we had, it had a basement, and, uh, and we had a cat, Gatto. And... Uh, <clears throat> And anyway, there, the basement made some kind of a loud noise, like bang, and Gato would come flying out of the basement. I never went in the basement, you know? And uh, I had no idea how many rumors were down there. But it turned out to be the sump pump, okay? And it was somehow, there was a suction thing, and it was exploding, and it creaked and moaned, and I just hated it. You know, so, but we finally got used to it. Now we miss living there. I don't miss the noises in the basement. But... Um, uh, so we, you know, we, we settled in, and Matt started middle school and finished middle school. And, and when he finished middle school, he said, I, I don't want to go to Mountain View. Uh, Mountain View. I want to go to Westwood. <laughs> Say it with me. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. You're going to go to Westwood. And uh, so we got a boundary ex uh, extension. <laughs> ex exception. And Marilyn drove him to school. There was no bus service, you know. So, and the other kids were old, too old to drive him. You know, we went back to shuttling a student back and forth. So, this is another lesson. This next thing is another lesson from Saturday Night Live. And uh, deep thoughts. If you ever drop your keys into a river of molten lava, let them go. Because, man, they're gone. This is our... <laughs> This is our third memory verse, okay? Let's say it together. If you ever drop your keys into a river of molten lava, let them go. Because, man, they're gone. Do you, you, you get the spiritual, the spiritual message here? All right, so, oh, man. <clears throat> they said 35 minutes. Let's close in prayer. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. We'll, we'll get done here. So from Taras, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. And uh, there's a, a Lydia, a, the seller of dyes. She comes to the Lord. But they're really, they have not had any revivals, any crusades. They haven't had any Bible studies, really, since they left Antioch. And even they, now, now they get to uh, Philippi. But uh, to Macedonia, Philippi, there's still really not much happening. Uh, so where, where do Paul and Silas end up? What's the name of that city? Philippi. Or you can put Duluth in there. Okay? <laughs> the end of the world. You know, I just hope that God's leading you, okay? Okay. <laughs> so don't, don't forget that. We'll get back to it. Okay, now look at verses 16 to 24. Once... Once when we were going to the place of prayer, this is also ordinary, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future and she earned a great deal of money for her for owners by fortune telling. 
And this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled. Okay, that's a really nice, nice way to say he's P.O.'d, okay? <laughs> and, you know, and he turned around and it said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Now, you never know where the road of life is going to take you. And what I find really interesting, this is so human, Paul does not pray for this woman because he loves her or because he has a spiritual warfare strategy. He just can't take it anymore. Okay? And God answers his prayer. Is that weird? Okay, and I, I, by the way, when you're a pastor, are you going to be leading a church? Or you're, gonna, you're doing music, right? But you're still asked to pray for people. And sometimes it's the same person every week. And you're saying to yourself, if she asks me to pray for her one more time, I'm finding another church. You know, so... <laughs> so... So anyway, he just is upset. So when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope for making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews, and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept a practice. And the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And this, this is a Macedonian prison in the first century. So if your feet are fastened in the stocks, where do you go to the bathroom? They're probably sitting in human excrement. You never know where the road of life is going to take you. How could everything so right have gone so wrong? If we knew then what we know now, we would have never done this with you, Paul. Somehow we failed, or people have failed us, or maybe God has failed us. Can you hear Silas leaning over to Paul and say, Oh, Paul, could you go over that dream one more time? Do you remember the Nike commercial featuring Mike, Michael Jordan? I, I took notes. And I, I took notes, wrote it down. Michael Jordan said, I've missed over 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost over 300 games. I've been given the opportunity to make 26 game-winning shots and missed. I've failed over and over again. And that's why I succeed. In the Christian community, we really don't give people space to fail. We live in a community where every little, every little thing can disqualify us. So you never know where the road of life is going to take you, but wherever it takes you, God will be there. This is the point. So look how Paul and Silas respond, verse 25, about midnight, and those two words really sum up their situation. You know, I know it was about midnight, but to me, that's like a metaphor. It's the darkest time of the night, about midnight. About midnight. And look at, about, look at uh, the next verse. About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? Praying and singing hymns to God. 
They're either onto something or they're on something. Okay? They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. And verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas, one more time, were praying and singing hymns to God. And to me, this is one of the most powerful statements in all of the Bible. What does it say? And the other prisoners were listening. I've asked so many people, what happens? Paul and Silas are praying. They're in the inner cell. What happens next? There's an earthquake. What happens next is their persona, their, their walk, their relationship with God is being heard by all these other suffering men and maybe women in this prison. The other prisoners were listening to them. There are people who are listening to you. They want to hear what you have to say. They want to know if you're singing or whining. What kind of message are we communicating to all the people around us? So uh, the conclusion here is, where was Paul thrown into, into prison? Philippi, okay. And what did he write to the Philippians? One of the most famous texts of the Bible, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is, it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. This isn't something he learned in Bible college. He learned it in the inner cell in Philippi. And he's now in another prison as he's writing this letter. And so what's the secret of being content? Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Verse 13, say it with me. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Would you please stand? can't tell you how many people have been helped by this message because it, it just says so many things about the Christian life that are so real and and most of the time we have sort of we have unreal expectations uh, we, we are people of faith but we're riddled at times with unbelief and you have to know that Jesus promised us that I am with you always even to the end of the of the world I will never leave you or forsake you. And we sang about that. We, we sang about how, you know, God leaves, the shepherd leaves the 99 to bring back the one. And I, as we were singing that, I was just thinking, that's the message about he's faithful. He's called us by name. He tells us who we are. And, and we need to believe that. Could you lift your hands to God? Do you do that in this church or is that sort of too Pentecostal? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you know, if you're ever arrested and they say, put your hands up, don't say, I'm not a Pentecostal, okay? <laughs> okay, let's reach out to God, and, and would you say this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, your word is true. We're so grateful that you are our Father. You know our frame, that we're but dust, and you love us as a father loves his children. And your hand is on our life for good. Even when things are bad, 
We trust you, Lord, because the future is in your hands. In you we live and move and have our being. We thank you for every breath. And we know, Lord, that you're going to guide us no matter where the road of life takes us. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said...